You are listening to sermon audio from Fort Myers Community Church. For more information about how to get involved in the life of this church family, please visit www.fmcc.life. All right, welcome. My name is Bill, one of the pastors here. Uh, so, so excited to be back. Uh, if you know our family, um, we've just been on a, a three-week vacation uh, up in Maryland, Deep Creek Lake, Maryland. Not many people know it. It's kind of way out west um, in Maryland in the mountains. And uh, we just had a wonderful time with our family, with our kids. It was exhausting. Uh, the day that we were about to leave, Maya scratched her cornea. Uh, who does that? But she did. And so we had to travel with a kid with an eye patch. Um, that's fun to walk through an airport with a kid with an eye patch. Um, you get some people are like, what's going on? Um, she's acting like a pirate. And so, and then we uh, get there and just had a blast. And then on our way home last night, um, we got, we're about an hour into our drive. We had a two and a half hour drive to the airport. About an hour into that drive, we got that first notification, the dreaded notification of like, hey, your flight's been delayed for like 15 minutes. And you're like, okay, we're good. We're still tracking. And then like right, like minutes later, you're like, you were setting us up for something because you know that they knew that this thing was going to be later than 15 minutes. And so like another notification, oh, an hour. And then it was two hours. And then it was two and a half hours. And you're traveling with four kids at seven o'clock at night already taking off. And so now we're at like 9.50 taking off. And so we had some time to kill. And so we found some outlets and hung out there instead of having to wear masks in the uh, airport. And uh, then thought, okay, we're going to get, the, the, the whole like premise was getting the kids to the airport was Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A in the airport. It was Saturday night. We were golden, right? So we get there around eight-ish, um, get through security, and it's ghost town. Ghost town, USA. And we get up to Chick-fil-A. The lights are still on. We're like, sweet. Get up to the counter. She's like, sorry, we're closed. The only place to eat um, is a 7-Eleven that's out by baggage claim. So I have to go back out through security and get, you know, hot Cheetos and Takis and then, you know, <laughs> go back through security. The only healthy thing they had there was Chobani yogurt, um, surprisingly. And uh, then I try to take that through security. And the guy said, no. Oh, man. Whew. I almost lost my Jesus. Um, I was like, I can't take sealed Chobani yogurt. He's like, yeah, it's an ounce over the limit. I'm like, oh, bro. Like, you just saw me walk here, through here with four kids. Um, but, uh, but, man, God is good. We are here. Um, so we get kids in bed around 1.30 this morning, and you now 5.30, Maya's tapping me on the shoulder. She's like, Dad, I'm scared. I'm like, oh, you're about to be scared. Like, it is on. Um, and so, uh, but we're going to dive into the Word this morning. I'm excited. Uh, so if you have a Bible, open it up to Proverbs chapter 3. Um, perspective. Pers- perspective is everything. We live in a world of chaos. We live in a world of delayed flights, of bad weather, of kids scratching their corneas. And our perspective is so important. Um, our husbands fail. Our wives fail. Our kids mess up. Um, our jobs just throw us in a rye. Uh, our boyfriend or girlfriend dumps us, like whatever it may be, um, we live in a broken world and our perspective is so incredibly important. Uh, while we were up at Deep Creek Lake, we were, um, we, my in-laws have this, it's called a mule, and if you don't know what that is, it's not an actual mule. Um, it's like an oversized golf cart, but you could fit almost like 10 people on this thing. I mean, it's huge. It goes like 40-something miles an hour. I mean, it's just a beast. And there are trails up in the mountains that we can take this mule on. Legally, illegally, I don't know, but they're trails. And so we, we drive through, and as we're going through uh, these awesome trails, 
um, all of a sudden, I think it was my wife who spotted it. She's like, bear, right? Big black bear, right? So here's a picture. See it? It's a little black dot, um, but that is a bear, and that is an enormous bear, by the way. That is a big bear. Um, that's about as far as it was away from us. And uh, go to the next picture, because that's the, um, yeah, so this is what they look like uh, up close. I did not take that picture. I did not get that close. Um, so we're on this mule, and we're looking at this thing, and it is just beautiful. And we're so excited. I mean, every summer, we just want to see a bear. Like, that's like one of the big things that we want to do. And um, we uh, were there, and Maya, my three-year-old, yells out. She goes, I want to pet it. And so you're like, well, um, her, her perspective may be just a little bit off on that, right? Not that it, it was far away and it looks small, but that she thinks it's just this cuddly, sweet teddy bear that she can just, like, hug up to like she can a golden doodle. Um, and she doesn't understand and realize that that thing can destroy her in one swipe of its paw. Um, her perspective is super important. But the cubs of that bear, the cubs of that bear, the safest place for those cubs to be is right next to either mama or papa. I don't know what that was. Um, but next to its parent, right? If you were the, the cubs or the, the bear's cub, you would want to be right there because there's safety, there's provision, there is um, uh, protection. I mean, there's so many things that those cubs get from their parent. Perspective is everything. For Maya, it's the worst place for her to be. For the cubs, for the children, best place to be. It's the same thing with God. We talk about the fear of the Lord. This whole series, we're wrapping it up today. We're talking about the fear of the Lord. Perspective is everything. For God's enemies, yeah, they better fear him and run from him because he will decimate them. For his children, he is the safest place to be. That's why David can say, he is my refuge and my strength, a very present help in trouble. Though the earth gives way, though the mountains crumble into the depths of the sea. Ever feel like the, your mountains are crumbling into the depths of the sea? It says, he is my God. He is my strength. So there's provision and protection and safety in the arms of our God. And as we're finishing up Proverbs chapter 3, if you have a Bible, open there. This is what we're going to see. We're going to see this perspective. It's so important. Because in verse 7, he starts off in Proverbs 3. He says, be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord. Adore the Lord. Revere the Lord. And turn away from evil. This isn't, uh, when, when we talk about fear, this isn't the type of fear that makes you run away from, but actually run to the Lord. Because you know that there is nothing greater. There is nothing better than him. And then, we start in verse 19. This is where we're picking up today. And it says, The Lord by wisdom. Now, this is speaking of the Lord whom we shall fear. The Lord by wisdom founded the earth. Right? We know in Genesis 1, he spoke just with a word from his mouth, and creation came into being. I had a conversation uh, a couple years ago with an atheist. He's like, yeah, well, I believe in the Big Bang Theory. I'm like, yeah, me too. And he's like, wait, what? I'm like, yeah, you believe that there was nothing and then something appeared. And he's like, well, yeah. And I'm like, me too. I just believe God did it. I believe he spoke. And out of nothing, all of this came into being. The trees, the birds, the fish, the lakes, the oceans, they came into being because of a word from the mouth of the Lord. And so in verse 19, he says, The Lord, by his wisdom, founded the earth. By understanding, he established the heavens. By his knowledge, the deeps broke open and the clouds dropped that dew uh, drop down the dew. And so an accurate view of God helps us understand who God is and how much he is for us. That he, 
in his infinite wisdom and infinite knowledge that created all things, including, like, when was the last time that you thought about your heart beating? Like, are you sitting there right now going, heartbeat, 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 lungs breathe, lungs breathe. No, he created you, formed you in your mother's womb so that you may have life. Created all these, like, an accurate view of God is so important because we can make the things of this world so grand. Our problems can become the big thing, right? We look at our problems, whether it's job, dating, I mean, all this stuff, looking for a house in this crazy market, right? And we, 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 we magnify those things, and we have this really small perspective of our God as if he can't do and accomplish what he said he's going to do and accomplish for his people. And so the accurate view of God helps us understand the fear of the Lord, but then also it goes on, and an accurate view of myself is super important. Why? Because I am weak. I am feeble. I stumble. I'm afraid. Here's what he says. Ready? Look at verse 7 and 8. Be not wise in your own eyes. Why would the wisest, one of the wisest people that ever walked the earth write, be wise not in your own eyes? Because he recognizes that we are fallen beings that are not wise. Then he says, fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Why would he tell us to turn away from evil if he knows that we are prone to wander? It will be healing to your flesh. Why would my flesh need healing if I'm not going to be broken? And refreshment to your bones. Why do my bones need to be refreshed when I'm woken up at 5.30 in the morning after I went to bed at 1.30? Because I'm human. I get tired. I am weak. And then he goes on to say in verse 21, my son, do not lose sight of these. Keep sound wisdom and discretion. They will be life for your soul and adornment for your neck. Then you will walk on your way securely. Your foot will not stumble. Man, I am so prone to stumble. If you lie down, you will not be afraid. There are so many things in this world that freak me out and make me scared and anxious and depressed and all sorts of things. I will lay down and not be afraid. And when you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. See, an accurate view of myself puts in perspective an accurate view of God. If Maya understood I am a three-year-old little kid in the face of a giant bear, I am nothing. If we have the proper perspective of who we are, then we have a proper perspective of who God is. But what we do and what this world does to us is it tells us to magnify ourselves and belittle our God. And so it says, you can do all things, right? You can do it. Pull up your bootstraps, get to work, just do it. Nike, here we go. And then what? And then we fail. Then we mess up. I hurt my wife. I yell at my kids. Right? And then I look myself in the mirror and I go, oh, I'll get them next time. The wrong perspective is pride, arrogance, to think that I can figure this all out and do it all on my own. I need to be a self-made man. No. I need to be a man that's dependent fully on God. Because he is ultimate. I am not. Because he does not stumble. I do. Because he is not afraid, but I am. Proper perspective of who God is. Proper perspective of who I am. And then he goes on. Verse 25. says, Do not be afraid of sudden terror or the ruin of wickedness when it comes. For the Lord will be your company. He will keep your foot from being caught. Here's a promise. Ready? Terror, destruction, sadness, it's going to come. It doesn't say if it comes. It says when it comes. That's something you want to write in somebody's birthday card, right? Hey, destruction's going to come. Happy birthday. 
uh, what a mentor of mine used to say, if you're not coming out of a battle, you're about to walk into a battle. So there are these seasons of life where we are dealing with health issues and dealing with job issues and dealing with HOA neighbor issues. I don't know. And when we're dealing with those things, we have to remember that the Lord is our confidence. This world is going to throw all sorts of stuff at us to try to keep our minds fixed and focused away from God, apart from God, to make us think that we can do it on our own. But the wisest man that almost ever stepped foot on earth, Solomon, writes these words. What does he say? He says, make the Lord your confidence, not you. Have the right perspective. Know who God is. He is your strength. He is, and I love how someone who is known to be wise goes, I'm in the same boat as you. I'm going to mess up. I'm going to stumble. I'm going to fall because I'm a mere human. But God will never fail. And so what I wanted to do this morning as we're looking at this last part of the passage, I want to invite up two guys um, whom I look up to, um, who uh, I watch lead their families well, who I watch um, serve the church well, um, ben is uh, our worship leader. He's also a deacon here at FMCC. Um, he's been uh, our only deacon for a time, um, but over the next couple of weeks, we're going to be ordaining another group of deacon and deaconesses, and Sean is one of those deacons as well. So I'm going to invite up Sean and Ben. Let's hear it for them. <clears throat> oh, seriously? Let's hear it for Ben and Sean. There we go. <clears throat> and I thought an, a great way to wrap this up, because it, it, in verse 26, it says, For the Lord will be your confidence and he will keep your foot from being caught. And I thought it'd be cool to just end with some testimonies of these guys and their lives. Um, not because they've arrived, not because um, I've arrived, um, but because the Lord in his gracious wisdom and um, mercy, uh, he has allowed us to know him and love him. Um, and it's not because we're anything special. It's not because you guys are super amazing and awesome and cool and uh, great. It's because God loves you and he's invited you into a relationship with him. Um, and so the testimony that you have is his testimony, his work, his power of the Spirit in you. Um, and so um, as we look at these verses, and especially as we kind of wrap up with uh, 27 through 35, there's this passage um, that continues to go on, and it has a lot of do nots. Do not withhold good from those whom it is due, when it is in your power to do it. Do not say to your neighbor, go and come again. Tomorrow I will give it when you have it with you. Do not plan evil against your neighbor who dwells trustingly beside you. Do not contend with a man for no reason when he has done to you no harm. Do not envy a man of violence and do not choose any of his ways. For the devious person is an abomination to the Lord, but the upright are in his confidence. The Lord's curse is on the house of wicked, but he blesses the dwelling of the righteous. Towards the scorners he is scornful, to the humble he gives favor. To the wise, the wise will inherit uh, honor, but fools get disgrace. So there's this section of verses that go on coming out of the Lord being our confidence and him being the one that's keeping our foot caught. I thought it'd be great to just ask you guys a couple questions about your own testimony from the Lord um, and what that looks like um, for you guys as he's brought you uh, from death to life. He's brought you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And so the first question is when God, uh, when did God reveal to you who he was uh, and who you are and when did he change your perspective in life? So your testimony in two minutes-ish. So Sean, let's start with you. This is Sean. Pew. Um, I guess I want to start with just kind of a, a summary, um, and then I'll get into a little bit into the details. But um, to sum it up, um, God is faithful. He continue. 
He continues to pursue those that he calls. Uh, he disciplines those when necessary and ultimately is, re is relentless in his pursuit. And he does this all while none of us deserve it. So I grew up in the church, uh, and I, I guess it was about, I was seven years old when I realized that, like, I needed Christ. Um, the pastor that, of the church I went to at the time uh, did a great job exp explaining the gospel. And, you know, it was in the 90s, so uh, fire and brimstone was, was definitely preached, but that's not what convicted me. <laughs> um, what convicted me is that, like, is that the king of the universe, the God that we all know, that upholds of the universe with his word is uh, is, the, is what actually convicted me because I deserve nothing and he desired to save me. His life was a servant which blew my mind as a child. Um, so I, from that time till like I got to high school I would say that I didn't grow much in my faith. I was kind of a baby, baby in my faith, partly because I didn't understand and I still don't understand the full gravity of who God is. But when I got to high school, uh, I had a, a youth pastor who challenged my understanding of who Christ was. Not who I thought he was, you know, but who he really was. Then from there, as I grew, I went to college, and in college I, I got this idea that uh, um, Christians were hypocrites, which is true because we all, we all sin, but uh, I, decided, I decided to try it alone, and uh, God, God called me on my pride and brought me to a, brought me to a community um, with with some Christians, and uh, there I discovered what it meant to dis what it meant to discern God's word, and I realized that uh, we continue or that He continues to refine us as we move forward, and um, that's pretty much um, my testimony, and He continues to do that today. That's good. <laughs> Two minutes. Man. Yeah. Start my start my stopwatch. Go. <clears throat> First off. Bill loves to be celebrated, and so he did a great job of celebrating Sean and I coming up here on stage, but I don't think Sean or I enjoy being celebrated <laughs> at all. <laughs> so that was quite the uncomfortable welcome. But <clears throat> um, I, think my, uh, I think my testimony uh, is very similar to Sean's. I grew up in church, and um, the Lord over the last... 15 years has really been uh, changing me. Um, and I think it's really prudent that we're on this idea of perspective because I think that my perspective of God is always changing, <clears throat> um, either for the better or for the worse. And we'll talk more about that, I'm sure, as we go on. But um, I grew up in church, and I gave my life to uh, Christ at one of those, you know, close your eyes and bow your heads. And then raise your hand if you want to accept Jesus. And I was like, in sixth grade, I was like, well, my partner's raising his hand. My friend is raising his hand. So uh, I, ra I raised my hand, and that's like the earliest point I can remember that like outwardly I was like, yeah, I'll accept Jesus. But I kind of grew up in it, so I always thought it was just like there. And it's interesting walking uh, my kids through that. Noah actually the other day was like, 
well, I believe Jesus is my Savior. And I'm like, I don't even know what to do with that. I mean, his kid's four years old. Like, one day, asparagus is his favorite vegetable, and then he hates <laughs> vegetables. So, But it's weird, you know, um, I grew up in the church, so it always just seemed like I had a relationship with Christ. But it was really when I kind of moved out of the house, and I went to college, and I was under... Uh, out from underneath kind of my parents like going to church every week and I really had a choice to kind of make my faith my own and uh, in God's sovereignty he saw fit to continue to pursue me and um, I'd say uh, over that uh, time that I was in college um, the Lord really uh, told me very lovingly that I had some perspective issues with who he was and who I was and what it meant to have a relationship with him to call him savior but to call him lord and that's uh, a much higher thing to to do than just to be like yep thanks Jesus um so from that point on it's really been a journey of breaking down what I always thought who I always thought God was um and looking to his word for truth about who he really is. Good. Um, and so, in your personal life, what does your relationship with God look like? How does he cultivate kind of that proper perspective and grow you in your confidence in him? Well, um, for me, honestly, like uh, since the beginning, I, th I find that my devotional, devotional time kind of comes in waves where uh, there are times where I spend a lot of time in the Word, and then there are times that I'll go a season without spending time in the Word. And as I look back on that, I kind of realize that, like, that time that you spend with God is like, is like breath. Mm. So, um, and it's funny when you think about it that way, because God is life, which mm. is kind of the way we look at breathing, is mm. you stop breathing, you're, you're, you're done. You're done. <laughs> And there are so many times in my life where I've held my breath. Mm. And, you know, right now during this season, I'm in a time where I'm breathing again. So mm. it's been good. And every day when I get into the Word and I read it, it changes my understanding of who God is. And, and I, I feel like you get to know him a little bit more every time. So it's life. Mm. Good. Yeah, I agree. Um, there have been times in my life where I haven't viewed, um, you know, like daily re scripture reading as essential. And in the times in my life where I'm reading daily, I'm like, wow, I was such a fool, <laughs> you know. Um, hindsight's twenty twenty, But uh, I think that, you know, from when I was like young, uh, growing up, we constantly are building... Uh, viewpoints and perspectives on people, right? A lot of people like Anna Maria, my wife will tell you, a lot of times the first time somebody meets me, they think that I'm the meanest person ever or that like I, I'm i like very standoffish. Um, I just give a very horrible first impression, I guess. <laughs> it's, a, it's a miracle that uh, I'm married to my wife, I guess. Um, but as you get to know someone, even like a person, right? Like you barriers come down and walls come down and you start to like learn more truly like who that person is like my son uh noah is super shy so like the first time you meet him he may not even look at you but the people who know him know a completely different side of him and so i think this is true 
of like all of our relationships that we have with people and friends and parents and family members. But it's also true of like our relationship with the Lord. And for me, I so often forget that. I forget that I need to cultivate relationship with um, my Heavenly Father. Um, and I'm always reminded of Psalm 63. I was actually, I was going to read this for a call to worship, but I ended up just praying. But um, Psalm 63 is like a, for me, it's a very convicting passage of scripture because it's, it's what I always desire my heart to be as I'm, as I'm thirsting and searching for intimacy with the Lord. But I'll read the first couple of verses if you want to look it up in your Bible too. Psalm 63, O God, you are my God, earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you, my flesh faints for you, as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Um, skipping down to verse 3, because your steadfast love is better than life. Like, we can just stop there. <laughs> like, do we, do I really believe that, you know? It's like, we glance over it, I'm like, oh, it's, it's poetry. It's like, this is, it's God's word. I'm like, when I was younger, I was like, that's a pretty way of saying thing. Now I, now I look at that and I'm like, wow, do I believe that like the steadfast love of the Lord is better than life? Because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live. In your name, I will lift up my hands. Um, and so at my best, personal intimacy with the Lord looks like being in his word daily. And I think when I'm in that place, my perspective is constantly broken down and I'm constantly shifting a perspective like more and more toward what I would say is like the true understanding of who God is. But it seems as though equally in times of my life when I'm not reading the word, my perspective shifts because I can convince myself or the enemy can convince me that's not really how God is. You know, like you were saying, like perspective is everything. I can do this a little bit myself, right? And then when I'm like, find myself in sin, I'm like, oh, I didn't try hard enough. It's like, no, like, I'm not trying for anything. It's like, I'm not relying on the spirit within me. And so for me, that time is, is really uh, crucial for um, my life, but it also affects like my family. It affects my relationships. And so um, it's something that I try to prioritize really highly. So good. I was uh, one night, I remember looking kind of outside and the house kind of sits on this lake, and there's trees and stuff, but through the trees I saw this, like, big bright light, and so it was the moon, and, and so I went down to the dock just to look at it, and, I mean, you're, you know when the moon's just, like, huge and yellow and just, like, I mean, like, blinding almost like the sun, but it's just, like, you can't get your eyes off it, and I remember looking at this moon and just being in awe and then looking down at the water and the reflection of the moon's light on the water, and then I started, like, getting mesmerized by, like, the ripples and all that stuff, and I thought, like, the thought hit me. I went, man, I'm, I'm enamored by the reflection of the moon, and I've taken my eyes off the actual thing that's creating this reflection. Um, and it, the Lord in that moment spoke to me and just said, like, how often do I do that? That I have my eyes fixed and focused on the things that are just merely his reflection and take my eyes off of him. Um, and so uh, it's, it's great to be a part of an amazing church body and church family. We experience God together. It's amazing to look out in nature and see the trees and the lake and the birds. And all that. it's, it's great. It's all a mere reflection of him. And so the money, the, the cars, the houses, the stuff, the kids, the, everything that we love and the things that God has given us is blessings. 
um, that we are to enjoy. Like, nothing's wrong with enjoying that stuff. But all it is is mere reflections of him. And we will never be able to enjoy something on this earth like we could enjoy him because we were created for him and by him and through him. And so I think um, time in the word and time cultivating relationship with him, it is Christianity. It is the gospel. Like, I don't know how in the world we can grow up, because I did, uh, so I say this convictingly, is like, I grew up a Christian who never opened his Bible. That's, that, that doesn't even make sense. Like, I grew up a Christian who didn't pray. That doesn't make sense. Like, that would be saying, like, I am married to a woman I've never met, or I don't talk to my wife, or I don't take her out on dates, or I don't know her favorite candy. Like, I, like to intimately know her, I have to talk to her. And I have to know her. Like, that's what marriage is. And what happens is on this earth is that we stray from that. Right? We, stray, we, we get so sidetracked by all the other stuff that we miss the most important relationship God has given me on this earth with her. And the same thing is him. Like, like, I go to church. I do nice things. Maybe put something in the offering basket and think that that's Christianity. It's not. Like, this and knowing God, like, have you ever, like, had the thought, like, I don't know, or I've never heard the word, like, I've never heard the voice of God? Have you ever thought about that? Like, I've never heard the voice of God. Have you ever, like, get frustrated because you're like, God, I just want to hear your voice? Like, this right here is the word of God. Like, you want to hear his voice? Open it. Read it. And if it doesn't make sense, that's what discipleship is. That's what the church is for, is to get together with a group of people and to process this together and enjoy this together. And so you come across the passage that you're like, man, that's funky. I don't know what that means. Like, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. What? So you call up myself, call up these guys. You call up your, your small group leader, and you say, hey, like, I just read this verse. It doesn't make sense. Let's, let's meet for coffee. Let's talk about it. That's what the Lord has invited us into and called us into. Can I say something? Yeah. Uh, you know, I agree with you. I think you made really, a lot of really good points. Um, if you're relying on, like, just this time, and we've all done it, like you were just saying, you, you grew up a Christian, didn't read his Bible, like, that was me too, I didn't pray, right? If you just rely on, like, this time, A, there's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus, so this is not a condemnation, like, I've felt the same thing, but, like, it's like the equivalent of a mama bird regurgitating chewed food and spitting it into the mouth of a baby bird, like, and what it also does is it's like, it turns this into a, and I heard this because like I spoke two weeks ago and so many people were like, oh, it was so nice, like, so refreshing to hear you. But it's like, it, which is, praise God, right? But it, it turns into a, I like the way that this person regurgitates and spits things into my mouth better than, but it's like, it's all the word of God. It's like, if we are a church that's not rooted here, this will become a, a an environment where it's like, um, he, he only preached the word okay today. It's like, it's the word of God. It's like, it's like our perspective is everything. And I think too, it's like as, as the church, not the building, the people, as the church, like God has called us to a relationship with him. He sent his son, like all the things we sing about, all the things we talk about, like the weight and gravity of like Jesus dying for your sins, paid for this, paid for you to open up this book and read it. And like Mark was preaching last week, not the entire world has that opportunity too. And so 
for me, I've, I've been so convicted over the last couple of years of just like casting it aside, right? Because it's like some people don't, literally don't have this book. Some people cannot get this book and they want it. You know, we talk about missions like overseas, like God make us a church who is founded on your word and who spends time with you apart from just this time here because I think that if we don't do that and if we just prioritize this time, it will leave us disappointed, which we should never leave feasting on the word of God disappointed. Um, all right, curveball. I'm going to bypass my, my question. I'm just going to go off the cuff. Because um, in verse 26, and we're going to wrap it up here, um, he says, for the Lord will be your confidence, and he will keep your foot from being caught. So in what we were just saying, and I think we've talked about it, but I'd just love to like hear your final thought on um, when you're facing adversity, when you're going into the unknown, when you're struggling with whatever, um, why is the Lord your confidence? Like, what does that even, what does that even look like? Especially if you're not cultivating a relationship with him um, and your perspective's off. So what does it mean for the Lord to be your confidence in this season? Well, it, I mean, if your perspective's off, you, you get caught up in, in whatever it is that, that's going on. Yeah. Um, but like when you spend time in the word and you, you pour over who God is and that, you know, like he is the king of the universe, like, he, you know, close. What's the first? Uh, you probably know it better close than me. Oh, the lily. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, so, how much more does he care for me? You know, like. And so, the biggest thing I think here is like just having faith in the character of God, and trusting that no matter what I'm going through, even if I don't get to see um, the glory that comes from the, you know, the trial I'm going through, that he will be glorified. Like, I think that's, that is like the only way to get through trials is like, is, is do that. And every once in a while we get blessed and we get to see the, how God, you know, how God is glorified in, in whatever the trial is. But sometimes we don't. And I, and I think that's where we have to rely on faith. Psalm 145, uh, verse eight, and nine have been really encouraging to me lately. It says this, The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. Verse nine, The Lord is good to all, and his mercy is over all that he has made. It doesn't say the Lord is good to those who read their Bible seven days a week. It doesn't say the Lord is good to Christians. It says the Lord is good to all and his mercy is over all that he has made. We were talking in our morning meeting, like all across the world today. Yes, there's different time zones. I know not everybody woke up at 7 a.m., but all across the world today and tomorrow, depending on how you want to think about it, billions of people woke up, had breath in their lungs, and are sustained by a living God, Job 12, 10, I read this earlier too. In his hand is the life of every living thing and the breath of all mankind, right? If, if the Lord is good to all and his mercy is over all that he has made, like, 
I think about the story of Jonah, like so much of, of finding wisdom, I, it's taken me back to when we were talking about Jonah. Jonah disobeyed God constantly, ran away from God, God sent a storm. Jumped into the ocean, God sent a fish, right? He was uh, burning up in the desert, God sent a plant, right? And then finally, after like <laughs> chapters, he's like, okay, God, I guess you're right. I'll go to Nineveh, right? But he's good to all. And like our definition of good, it's a perspective thing, right? Oh, well, I lost my job. Oh, uh, I'm sick. Oh, I have this thing here. Like, is it, is it my definition of good that needs redefining like if he's good to all and i believe that this is the true living word of god he's good to all i think egg rolls are good you may hate egg rolls are you see what i'm saying don't destroy my analogy bill but you know it's like is maybe my def maybe my definition of good needs to be refocused and so my confidence is in the Lord because, like, I know that he is good to all, and I know that, like, my eternity is secure, but there's a huge joy and blessing when I can go through trials and remember that, and that happens when I'm in his word daily. When I'm not, I'll still go through that trial, but I'll be angry at God or I'll shake my fist, which is not true because what is the what does the word say the lord is good to all his mercy is over all that he has made so me finding my confidence in him is backed up by a relationship with him in the proper perspective amen okay. uh, yeah last night as i was walking away from the tsa agent and he had just confiscated my chobani yogurts for my kids um i just started thinking like and why do I think I'm the exception to the rule, right? He's just doing his job. Um, and often we can shake our fists at people and those around us, like the stupid person at the Starbucks drive-thru that was like parked right in the middle of things so I couldn't get around them to get to church, um, right? So th there's so many things that we, we experience every single day, right? Then I started getting mad at the people that built that Starbucks. I'm like, why would they make such a small lane for people to get around them, um, right? But we get so angry and upset at people for, for dumb things. And it's like, man, our perspective is so off. We're, I'm so Bill-centric in my life. Like, everything revolves around me. Everything is about me. And if you inconvenience me, then we are, we're going to have problems. Um, this life, my life, is not about me. It's not. Like, the Bible actually says that I no longer exist. I no longer exist. I actually am found in Christ. I've been made new. I'm a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. And so... If we have that perspective, then as we're pursuing somebody to date, um, then all of a sudden we can pursue somebody to date with a very different perspective and recognize that we're looking for someone that's in love with Jesus, not someone that's cute and looks good in a bathing suit, right? Or when we're like arguing with our spouse, we realize and recognize like we're both sinners. And there is never, ever, ever, ever an argument that I'm ever gonna have that's not both of our sin colliding in that moment. Like, one of the things we say in premarital counseling is you've got 100% sin here and 100% sin here, and you're uniting that. That doesn't make 100%. That makes 200% sin, double sin. Like, you're gonna have now two sinners living under the same, like, of course there's gonna be problems. Of course you're both gonna mess up. You're gonna say dumb things, and you're gonna do bad things. Like, our perspective has to be on an all 
all-powerful, all-knowing God who is there for us at every moment of every single day to remind us that he loves us and he has given us mercy and grace, so how should we not replicate and give that same mercy and grace to those around us? The Lord should be our confidence, nothing else. Amen? Can I pray for us? Awesome. Jesus, we love you. Thank you so much for today um, and the time that we have to uh, worship you. God, and as we even just go into worship right now, God, I do pray that, um, that we uh, just sat here worshiping your name through your word. We, we are praying, worshiping your name. That we are reorienting our perspective right now to the worship of your beautiful, glorious name. And God, as we sing, we worship to your beautiful and glorious sovereignty and awesomeness. And um, God, I pray that right now you would become our confidence that we would fall more and more in love with you in this moment. God, that we would be the type of church that, that isn't afraid of singing out praises to you, that, that doesn't just take a back seat and uh, goes through life in a mediocre way, um, just kind of dipping our foot in the water of your mercy and your grace and your love. But God, I pray that we would dive all in, kind of like King David did when he just danced in the streets, God. That he didn't care what people thought of him, that he didn't care... Uh, that he was on or off key, that he worshiped you with his whole heart. So God, right now, I pray that we would fix and focus our eyes on you and that we would surrender ourselves to you. God, if someone is here today that has never placed their faith and their hope and their trust in you, God, I pray that you would stir affections for yourself in them, that you would reveal yourself to them. Give them a passion to open up your word. Give them a passion to read the Bible. Give them a passion to pray, even when they don't know how to pray. God, that they would have a conversation with you and recognize that they are not just keeping up empty phrases, but God, that you are there and you are listening and you are attentive and you want to speak to them. God, we thank you. We love you. We pray all of this in your name. Amen. You know, being away for a little bit of time, um, there is something so sweet about gathering with the church family. And my hope and prayer over the last three weeks has been that we would be the type of church um, that loves God and knows God and loves one another. So I want to encourage you, that's on you. Um, we can't force you to get to know the people that sit in the rows next to you. I think too often we could come in here and leave because we want to hear a sermon, want to hear some good music, and then we leave and we just go. That's not the church. The church is a family. It's a group of people. And I don't know about you, but I'm tired of the mediocre American culture of the church that just kind of comes and goes. And like, man, when I read the Bible and people are seeing miracles happen and like the spirit is moving and people are experiencing like, like God in a way where, where they are just in awe of his power, that's what I desire. And I desire you to be a part of that. And I pray that we wouldn't just come in and out and just be okay with that, that we would know each other and that we would fall more and more in love with God and each other um, and that we do life together. So that's the type of church I desire to be a part of. 
a hope. That's the type of church you desire to be a part of. I know for some of you that's freaky. Um, and I know for some of you um, that's intimidating because maybe you've had a bad experience at another church. And I pray that we are not that. Um, so let's enjoy worshiping our creator together. Amen. Would you stand with us as we worship?